woke up this morning with hope and desperation. Maybe today I'll find some inspiration. Welcome, everyone, to the Even in Death podcast. This is Dave Diller, and I am super glad to be with you. On this podcast, we are going to be talking about all the things that encompass this life, from joy to pain, to beauty to loss, to creativity, and to those moments where we feel completely stuck. That's life, all of it, the fullness, the paradox, and we are tasked to breathe it deep, to live it fully, and to express our truest self for this one shot we have living in this world. So keep listening, keep participating, and most importantly, keep showing up. Glad you're here. Hey everyone, you made it to episode one of the Even in Death podcast. And on this episode, I want to give a special shout out to the band Take the Reins. That was Take the Reins that you just heard with their song Ready or Not off their album Addiction by Subtraction. Go check them out. You can go to iTunes, Spotify, Bandcamp, wherever you happen to listen to your jams, go check out Take the Reins. Do you remember the first artist, musical artist that you fell in love with? That first rock group, that first band, that first musician that made you love music. This was an artist that opened your eyes and ears to a world that you hadn't previously investigated before. Maybe it was a solo musician, maybe it was a band, maybe it was some sort of group, but it was a musical artist that just opened up the world of music to you. Who was that band that you fell in love with? It may not be a band that you love anymore, but they'll always hold a special place in your heart. And one of those artists that always will forever hold a special place in my heart is Kenny Rogers. And it is because of his breakout awesome single, The Gambler. When I was a kid, I had Kenny Rogers' single, The Gambler, on a 45, and I would go up into my room and play that song over and over and over again. And you know the song I'm talking about, right? Like, I'm not going to sing it for you, but you got to know when to hold them. You got to know when to fold them. You got to know when to walk away and know when to run. And here's the best advice that Kenny Rogers ever gave. You never count your money when you're sitting at the table. There'll be time enough for counting when the dealing's done. It's like he's saying, hey, when you're in the middle of doing what you're supposed to be doing, don't be thinking about anybody else. If you're playing poker, play poker. Don't get wrapped up in counting your money just yet. Worry about all that stuff later. Such good advice from Kenny Rogers. And then like so many other artists that have like an amazing song or like the hit fame really quick, they had these weird special TV shows, The Gambler, that I loved watching but uh, didn't fare too well. So I'm wondering, well, what was your favorite musician, favorite artist? Uh, as I grew older, my music tastes changed. They moved from Kenny Rogers to a band out of New York City called Twisted Sister. 
I was in fourth grade. I remember this like it was yesterday. I was in fourth grade watching MTV and the video for We're Not Gonna Take It came on. And it showed this dysfunctional, like, everyday family sitting around a dinner table. And the dad is all grumpy. And he says, pass the carrots, please. And they're all, like, upset and worried and walking on eggshells, eating their family dinner. And then one kid asks if he can be excused. And he goes upstairs and plugs in his guitar. And he hits a power chord, and then all of a sudden, the drums to We're Not Gonna Take It kick in, and that kid in that video becomes transformed into D. Snyder of Twisted Sister with full makeup, big hair, and all this awesome clothing. And it just is this epic anthem for not living a certain way. Like, I don't have to live up to your rules. I don't have to live up to your standards. I can be who I want to be in this life. And, and it was like a smack to authority and all that stuff. And as a fourth grader, I loved it. The videos were hilarious. Uh, it was just awesome music. It totally pumped me up, charged me up. So who was it for you? Was it Kenny Rogers, Twisted Sister? Or somebody else. And chances are that um, you may not listen to those bands anymore. I mean, like, they're always going to hold a special place in your heart. But they may not be your favorite band anymore. And music for us, music for me, is this huge, important escape. It's not only an escape, like, it transports me to a different place sometimes. But what it also does for me is it gives me an opportunity to rest to feel however I need to feel. Like when you're having one of those days, I had one last week, I went for a run, I was super frustrated, and I put on my playlist Metallica. That's all I was listening to. I haven't listened to Metallica in a little while, and I'm like, I'm going straight with Injustice for All, and I'm just crushing it hard on the street because I need to get out some angst. Metallica's going to help me do it. Maybe we listen to classical music to unwind or just to think, to open ourselves up more. But music has this great way of um, helping bring out those thoughts and those feelings, those emotions. Now, when I was a kid, uh, it became important for me, too, to begin to play music. So it wasn't enough just to listen to my 45 of Kenny Rogers, and it wasn't enough to watch Twisted Sister on MTV I wanted to emulate it. I, I wanted to sing. I wanted to play. I wanted to be to make music. And so I began um, with the saxophone. <laughs> but right? Like that's where every kid begins is the saxophone. So I did the saxophone for a few years. And maybe like me, you played a musical instrument as well. Played in uh, the fifth and sixth grade band and then got tired of playing in band. And I wanted to learn the guitar. So I moved from saxophone to the guitar. I had a really good friend of mine um, that was also learning guitar. And so we would get together and we would play music together. I mean, we really didn't know completely how to play, but we knew what we liked and we would figure out songs together. And he would usually come over, I would go to his house and he would have an idea of a song he wanted to do or he would say, hey, check out this song and, and play it for me. And it was usually the Violent Femmes or uh, it was ACDC or someone along those lines, right? I mean, come on, ACDC, Violent Femmes, that's a good mixtape right there. 
what was so great about those bands is it's like if you could just learn A, G, and D, I mean, you're golden, you're set. You could play every song in the catalog. So I basically learned to play guitar from listening to ACDC and the Violent Femmes. Um, and it was super fun. And, and we would play together uh, in the basement, you know, for hours, sleepovers, you know, just getting out our guitars and playing. And then we kept progressing and working on stuff together. And then we would get other people together and we, we played in a band for a while. And it was super fun um, to play out, to play shows. Sometimes there were basement shows. Somebody would have a party and they would say, hey, why don't you guys come over and we're going to get a couple bands together. We're just going to play in the basement and do these shows. And we'll pack this basement with 50 people. And it felt like 500. And um, just super awesome. And then we got to play out at other places, um, cool places and in and around the city of Chicago and a shout out to the fireside bowl for all of their awesome shows back in the day. And it was just a great community to be a part of. And so what was awesome for me about my musical journey is it went from being someone who listened to music and could identify with it. Someone who enjoyed music because it helped bring out my emotion and my thoughts and my feelings. It could put words to things I wasn't ready to give words to. Uh, to then enveloping me in a community where I'm playing in a band and I'm with friends and we're going to shows and, and we're playing with other bands. And now there's this greater identification with what we're doing. And, and there was this solidarity and camaraderie and, and a community around what we were doing. And so music was providing all of those different avenues. And we long for that all the time. We so long um, to be able to make sense of our feelings and our thoughts and our emotions, to be able to put words so that we don't feel crazy or insane when we experience this life. And then we also long, right? I mean, we long to be in it with people. Uh, to experience life with people so that ultimately we know that we're not alone. Because this life is crazy. I mean, the experiences that we have, the things that we go through, the things that we see. Uh, you know, when we're younger, uh, I equate it this way. It's like we, we learn um, the system for which this world operates or we think it operates, right? Like we've learned this mathematical equation, two plus two equals four. Like you just put these two things together and they're going to you know, equal a new sum and it just always works that way. And so we have a type of uh, outlook on life that if we think, you know, I put in hard work and I show up and I do what I'm supposed to do, it just always equals a good outcome. Like it should work that way. And then as we grow older, we realize that that's not how life works at all. Um, that we can still show up, that we can do things, quote unquote, the right way and still find ourselves at a loss. We can still experience pain and frustration and hurt. Even all the while where we think we've played by the rules. And it's in those places that life is terribly maddening and we don't know what to do with it. Maybe it's uh, something that you saw in the news, something you read in the paper. Maybe it was something that your child said to you when they came home and something they saw or heard at school and they're telling you the story and you're thinking, how on earth does a fifth grader experience this? Maybe it was a, a, some kind of event that happened in your life that 
was just not the way it was supposed to be. And you're finding yourself wondering how to put it all together. Or maybe life is just taking a different kind of turn completely, and it's not necessarily something uh, about loss or, or tragedy. Maybe it's just the absurdity of life. Like, you find yourself looking in the mirror and going, how the heck did I get here? Like, like, like I never could have imagined this or pictured this, and this is completely ridiculous. This is absurd, and, and uh, life doesn't make sense in that kind of way. So with all of that in mind, I want to play for you this 1977 song by Plastic Bertrand, Saint Plan Pour Moi. It's in French. My French is no so bueno, but listen up. What in the world is even going on? This song, it is, it is just so outrageous. Like, everything about it, it, it makes no sense. It is so quirky, so goofy. There are so many things, so much I love, love about this song. And, and I, I want to talk about the lyrics. But uh, before I get to the lyrics, just a couple of things. First, you, you may have um, heard this song if you happen to catch National Lampoon's European Vacation with Chevy Chase, Chevy, Chevy Chase, and Beverly D'Angelo. Yeah, this was in the infamous Louvre scene when they're in the Louvre and checking out the paintings and they're zipping through at like double time speed. This tune is providing the backtrack. So great. And then also a really like interesting thing, Plastic Bertrand is not the person who's actually singing on this track. So the person who who wrote and recorded this song is Plastic Bertrand's producer. And then he is the one that actually sang it, and Plastic Bertrand is just the Millie Vanilli mouthpiece. So we've got, um, you know, movie soundtrack, check. We've got Scandal, check. And then we've also got an amazing video. If you haven't done this yet, YouTube, Plastic Bertrand, Sam Plan Pumwa, and, and just... Just soak it all in. I mean, he, he's standing there with his back to us, tight leather pants, and um, shaking what his mama gave him. And then he's wearing what can only be described as a Michael Jackson zipper jacket. Uh, except this one's in hot pink. I mean, it just screams new wave, punk, early 80s ridiculousness. It, it's... It's amazing on so many levels. So we've got all of these different components before we even get to the lyrics. The lyrics, what do they mean? 
um, I wanted to know what these lyrics meant. And so I brought them to our local uh, French teacher at the high school, <laughs> which, yeah, that's, that's, I was on a mission. And I'm friends with her. And I said, okay, what the heck does this song even mean? She got back to me in, in um, a little bit after listening to it. And she goes, Dave, what in the world? This song means absolutely nothing. I was like, what are you talking about? It means nothing. She said, literally, the lyrics, it's like one random word after another. You know, it's something like, my cat named Splash swallowed tongue, drank whiskey, a Chinese doll, like all of these things that make no sense. It's just a jumble of nonsense. So, um, that sort of made me uh, infatuated with this song even more. And then it comes to the, the, the chorus, uh, which translates, everything is gliding for me. <laughs> what? Everything is gliding for me. Apparently, this is some kind of term, um, an older term that, that really means like everything is going smooth for me. Maybe some of you say things like, everything goes swimmingly. Wouldn't we just love everything to go swimmingly? Maybe we would all like to just be gliding along. And life doesn't glide along. Things don't go perfectly. We experience loss and hurt and, and brokenness and people that betrayed us and trust that was mishandled. And, and we're left with the pieces we're left trying to hold this life together and going, what am I supposed to do with this? We're left trying to figure out how to make sense of it all. It's, it's like we've been given a set of lyrics in a foreign language that make absolutely no sense. And it's maddening. It robs us of our joy. It robs us of our dreams. It robs us of our sense of purpose and place in this world. Oh, what to do with a set of lyrics, with a life that just doesn't seem to make sense. Maybe as you were listening to Plastic Bertrand, you found yourself getting frustrated. Like, like it's difficult to find um, the joy in it. Because we need to like put it in categories and, and we need to understand the translation. And it kept you from really just getting lost in the movement of the song and, and, and the goofiness that um, it entails and, and the high-pitched chorus and all of those things. Because you were so intent on figuring it out, on categorizing it, labeling it, filing it away making sure it fit in nice, neat parameters. And that's what we spend our life doing. We want this life to make sense. We want the translation to be easy. We want it to fit in nice, neat categories so that we can make sense of it, so that we can show some kind of control but it doesn't do that. And so we're stuck um, feeling like we can't enjoy. 
because we don't know what life is doing. The poet E.E. E. Cummings has a piece called When God Decided to Invent. Uh, and I'd like to read it for you. And believe me, the irony of going from plastic Bertrand to fine poetry is not lost on me. Um, so just listen, listen to E.E. E. Cummings, When God Decided to Invent. When God decided to invent everything, he took one breath bigger than a circus tent, and everything began. When man determined to destroy himself, he picked the was of shall, and finding only why, smashed it into because. When God decided to invent everything, he took one breath bigger than a circus tent, and everything began. When man determined to destroy himself, he picked the was of shall, and finding only why, smashed it into because. When God decided to invent everything, he took one breath bigger than a circus tent, and everything began. When man determined to destroy himself, he picked the was of shall, and finding only why, smashed it into because. In his poem, E.E. E. Cummings is painting a picture for us, a juxtaposition between how the divine operates and how oftentimes we as humans operate. And it begins with God's intent. The divine's intent is always, always to create, to do something new, to move forward, to expand, to grow, to create, to invent. And the imagery that we're given is that of a circus tent. I mean, drawing a breath in as large as a circus tent, as if there could be anything bigger than a circus tent. Think about that imagery of what happens underneath the circus tent. In one area, you have clowns juggling and just being goofy, pies in the face, bringing laughter and joy. Maybe in another corner, you have the sword swallower, kind of that freak of nature doing that cringe-worthy stunt. And then the lion tamer, showing strength and resolve and this no-fear attitude in the face of a giant beast. You have the trapeze artists, they're awe-inspiring, doing stunts that are 100 feet up in the air, and they leave us gasping with fear and longing for some sort of relief. And then there's the ringmaster. The ringmaster isn't controlling all of this. The ringmaster is doing something much different. The ringmaster is bringing things into orchestration keeping the flow, giving us space to absorb and enjoy all of 
the feelings and emotions that we're having so that when we leave the night at the circus, we're going, wow, wasn't that something? Now, on the other hand, E.E. E. Cummings tells us about how man postures himself. And instead of operating out of this area of creativity and expansion and growth, he's saying that man too often is determined to destroy. Like it's the opposite of inventing. It's the opposite of creativity. It is close-minded. It is narrow thinking. It is fear-based. And how does humanity do this? By picking the was of shall and finding only why. It, what, what Cummings is trying to say is that instead of living and breathing with what is, humanity gets focused on the why, the purpose. What is it here for? What does it mean? How do I make sense of all of this? It's like taking something that can't be labeled, can't be defined, an experience that we have that brings just joy and beauty and and we don't know what kind of category to put it in. And instead of just letting it be all that it is and feeling all of the emotions that we feel in the name of purpose in the name of our place in this world, we try to cram it into a because, into an outcome. We smash it into a definition. I believe that brings our greatest suffering. For many of you, you've experienced a deep sense of loss and pain, and you've received things in your life where you're sort of shaking your fist up at the sky and saying, I did not ask for this. This is not how it was supposed to go. This is not making any sense. What did I do to receive this? For some of you, this hurt and this pain and this loss stems from maybe the passing of someone that you really love. Maybe this hurt and this pain comes from someone who you trusted and and they blew it. Maybe for some of you, Somebody took something from you. Maybe physically, maybe emotionally, they took something from you. And they can't ever give it back. And you're walking around in this life with this hole, with this emptiness. It's like you're walking around with a piece of you missing. And in that place of life, our experience shrinks, it becomes small, it becomes lonely and isolating. It feels like life itself is on the verge 
of being destroyed. And so then we end up living out of a place of saying, when my life gets here, then finally I'll feel better. When this issue gets resolved, then finally I'll be okay. When I can finally translate this song, then everything will be gliding for me. But that's not the way life works. Because in that place, we feel the pressure of having to maintain control over all the chaos that this life brings. The beautiful chaos and the painful chaos. When we feel that pressure to control it, to define it, to make it work for us in the ways that we think it needs to work for us, then we're never fully satisfied. We're never fully at peace. And so instead of trying to make sense of situations and events in our life that quite frankly don't make sense, I think life asks us to have a different kind of posture. One that instead of trying to maintain some kind of control or illusion of control. One that says, watch, listen, feel, experience it all, and know that you are not alone and that you are free free from having to figure it all out and free instead to live it, to feel it, to engage with this thing called life and to trust that life is always moving forward growing and expanding to something beautiful, to something new. And we're all invited. And so now may you, when life doesn't make sense, when it's confusing and when it wasn't what it was supposed to be, Feel the burden of having to make it all work lifted so that you may be fully alive, fully present, and fully awake today, now, in this ever-expanding, creative thing called life. Grace and peace, friends. 